Welcome to Chapter 2 of Health System CIO's Health IT Influencers Series with Dana Sellers, co-founder and former CEO of Encore. In this segment, Sellers talks about the biggest challenge Encore faced in the early days of EHR implementations, what you can miss when you rely solely on phone interviews to hire candidates, and the one component that must be present for a major initiative to be successful. This podcast is sponsored by Optum, solving real problems and creating practical solutions today using the latest in healthcare technology, such as blockchain, AI, and advanced analytics. See how Optum can make your digital transformation easier at optum.com slash CIO. So it, the strategy of listening to, to what the market was telling you is, is something that, that certainly wasn't just for the beginnings, but um, really was a philosophy throughout. Yeah. If we had a new idea, we would go test it in the market. We wouldn't yeah. invest in anything. We used the Chime focus groups, mm-hmm. but we also used just personal relationships in the industry. And I'd go make a, a road trip if we were thinking about launching some new consulting service. I'd go and meet with 10 CIOs that I knew or CFOs, depending on what it was we were thinking about doing, and just say, this is something we're thinking about doing. Does that make sense or not? Mm-hmm. We had things we thought were really good ideas that they said, uh-uh, and we would stop right there. Right, which one of the things that, that you said you had really looked for, what was being able to be nimble. Yeah. So... In the early days, what were some of the biggest issues? I imagine a lot of it involved implementation of EHRs. Yeah. I'm trying to think back to those early days. Mm -hmm. In the early days, we were probably doing as much Cerner as Epic implementation. Mm -hmm. Right. And neither company had as robust an implementation capability or methodology as they do now. tools, all that. So, you know, on every implementation, we were sort of still inventing stuff and then trying to apply that to the next implementation. But Epic and Cerner were also inventing at the same time. So it was sort of, how do we keep up with the vendors and match our skills so that we complement what they do, but that we take advantage of what we've learned in in, in our experiences? Right. Yeah, it's so interesting because everything was, things were just new and you have these the vendors who are still kind of going through some uh, learning curves themselves, so I'm sure it was uh, a challenge to kind of stay on top of that. Yeah, we were all trying to figure it out yeah. and there weren't enough resources anywhere. We had, I'd say, within the first two weeks after we announced Encore, we probably had a hundred resumes come in from people that knew us and had worked with us before and wanted to come on board. Mm-hmm. And so we had a large pool of people right off the bat that we knew, that we trusted, that we wanted to bring on board when the time was right. As we grew, we wanted to make sure we weren't just reinventing HealthLink. We needed to be a new company that was up-to-date with new thinking, new ideas, innovating. And so we made a conscious effort to look beyond just those resumes that we knew and trusted, but to make sure that we were incorporating, you know, people from a broad spectrum of places. Oh, yeah. 
and then being able to kind of replicate some of the, the successful methods, I'm sure, was important once some of these learnings are reached and making sure that you're not having to reinvent the wheel each time. Right. We did a lot of work, both at HealthLink and at Encore, to develop methodologies and tools uh, and training so that people could be successful. Everything comes back to this 100% referenceability. Yeah. If you have to figure it out every time, you're much more likely to make a mistake that you've got to go fix. And it's a lot harder to get a customer happy when you have to fix something than if you can do it right from the beginning. Right. So we, as I said, we were never perfect, but we were always constantly trying to capture what worked and to teach that to the next team. Right. And when you talked about kind of casting a wider net as far as the people that you wanted to join Encore, were you talking about, you know, maybe outside of health IT or just like just different ranges of experience? Over our time at HealthLink and Encore, we hired very few people from outside healthcare IT. We hired a lot of nurses who had not necessarily worked for an IT department, but they had had experience in a transformation project or something. Probably 60% of our staff was clinically certified in some way. They were nurses, pharmacists, doctors, whatever. Uh, And many of those did not come from the IT department per se. When I said we were casting a wider net, I really meant people that, did not come from HealthLink, that we wanted people who came from different organizations, really, and brought new thinking. We didn't want to just get stuck in the same way of thinking that, oh, we did it at HealthLink, therefore we're going to do it that way at Encore. Right. I'm sure that that isn't always easy to try to find people who, who are going to be adaptable. I don't know if there's a specific way you can tell that, but I guess it's maybe just kind of getting a feel for them. We used to invest a lot in interviewing. Mm -hmm. Some companies just hire with a phone interview, um, maybe a Skype interview. We would always bring the person somewhere where we could do a face-to-face set of interviews, including at least one what we would call a team interview. And the team interview was several people having a conversation with a candidate, and at least one person in the group was not there to interview for skills. You know, maybe if we were hiring an EPIC person, there'd be two or three people at the table that might know EPIC and be able to ask, you know, well, how do you do this, and how would you approach this kind of a problem? But one person was there, maybe they worked in a totally different part of the company, you know, finance or training or somewhere, but they were there to make sure that this person matched our core values. And so they were looking at, are they people who can fit in a teamwork environment? Are they adaptable? Are they innovative? Have they demonstrated that they can play well with others and in a kind of dynamic organization? And uh, that person I kind of think of as sort of the angel that protected our company from bringing in people they might have had great epic skills, but yeah. they didn't have the right culture to fit well. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm sure that's not always easy. You see what can be a really impressive resume, but the, the focus yeah. needs to be on you know, what this person can do going forward. Yeah, if you get one person that doesn't match your culture, 
maybe they think it's more important that they be successful, not that the team be successful. You get one person like that, it's like a cancer. And it can affect everybody's attitude. And it's far better if you prevent it than if you have to try to deal with it once it's started to infest the organization. Right. Interesting. And when you look at the conversations that you had with CIOs about things like what it takes to, to have a successful rollout, and I, I can imagine that although the conversations changed, that there were probably themes that kind of stayed <laughs> consistent over the years as far as like what the, what the challenges tend to be. One of the biggest things that I would really almost demand is strong governance. And I don't care if it's a little bitty project, if it's a big project, you've got to have governance that fits the project. And so we did a project one time at HealthLink, and it happened to be the first time we had ever gone at risk. And we we weren't at risk a lot, but it was important to us. And um, the client, we had set up a governance structure with monthly meetings and written minutes, and we attended, the client attended. But it wasn't working. The clients weren't coming. People weren't taking minutes, and it was decisions would get made, and then they'd get reversed the next week because somebody who wasn't there would change the decision. And I I told the client either they would get governance in place that was strong and consistent, or we were going to stop work. And uh, I threatened to come up and see the CIO about it because I said, you're putting your project at risk. And uh, they got governance in place. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Something that just gets overlooked or maybe not prioritized as high as it should be. Yeah, people think governance is just a reporting mechanism. But no, it's the most important way of guiding the project and getting the organization on board with the changes that have to take place for the project to be successful. It's not just about building Epic or something. It's about changing the organization. And you can't do that without good governance. Right. Does anything else kind of stand out as being like a recurring theme or something that's really just critical when there's a major initiative involved? I'm trying to think there's so many things that are critical governance was always sort of my personal thing that I demanded, but one of the things that became really important as we got into the Encore days was that as more and more departmental applications were added to a project, it wasn't just a data warehouse, data repository anymore. Now you had the lab and the pharmacy and all these different ancillary departments all part of a massive project. And what happened was no one could know all of those things. So you built teams that were specialized. You had a team for pharmacy and a team for lab and a team for radiology. And those teams became so siloed and specialized that it was hard to look across the organization at processes that actually followed the patient and data that actually needed to flow across the entire organization. So one of the important keys to success we found was that you needed an architect and someone who could really be the process transformation person who Mm -hmm. sat above those silos and worked across them to actually create a 
patient process and a data flow that made sense for the patient and for the whole organization. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.